Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the One Shop Movement Podcast, where we dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs, business people, anyone that's out there making it happen. And today we are with Kate Hancock, also known and referenced as the Pivot Queen. She's a serial entrepreneur with an amazing story she'll share. She actually started her first business with $20, and that turned into a business that generated over $15 million of sales. Uh, she's done many other businesses along the journey as well. She's going to share that with you today. She's a multi-award winning entrepreneur named in the top 100 most influential Filipinos in the world. She's also the founder with her husband Daniel of a clubhouse room that went for 20 days straight, which is the longest clubhouse room in history. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode with Kate Hancock. Okay, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the One Shop Movement Podcast, where we dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs, business people, anyone that's out there making it happen. And I'm with a very dear friend of mine. Her name's Kate Hancock, also known as the Pivot Queen. Uh, She classifies herself as a serial entrepreneur, but she's also an international speaker. She started her first business with $20 and has now accumulated over $15 million in sales to date. So we're going to dive into that part of a story, multi-award winning uh, entrepreneur who's been well published across all forms of media and she's also been listed as in the top 100 most influential Filipinos in the world and one quirky fact and this is where we met, she actually has the record for running the longest clubhouse room in history, Uh, it went for 20 days straight and I was a part of that for 12 days which was quite an amazing experience. So welcome to the show Kate. Thank you, it's an honour to be here Craig. Great. And I always like to just give the um, the person that's the, or the guest on the show, I really like them to fill out their story. I just touch on a few bullet points, their story, but love the audience to get to know you a little bit more. So spend a few minutes sharing your story and, and your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in a small island in the Philippines called Kamigin. And actually, my grandmother has a secret recipe and it started as a small literally a small store like just making a dozen and I was part of that family who works together to chip in for that business well my aunt actually scaled it into an enterprise so they have a national distribution in the whole country over maybe 2,000 employees so that was really my inspiration but I hated it working as as you could imagine uh, working as early as 10 years old so I didn't really have much of a childhood like it feels like work for me so I think that was my driving force I just wanted to have that freedom like I wanted to play I feel like every time my grandmother would catch me reading a book she was like oh you gotta you have to do your next task so I was kind of miserable and I pouted the whole entire time but anyway uh, I moved in the U.S. right after college, and uh, I was working three different jobs. I, w- I remember I would change uniform in the parking lot. I was doing 
wine sampling. I was doing food sampling at Costco or Walmart. And I was a, a terrible makeup artist too. So literally I was doing different things at one time. So one day I eventually um, got landed a really good job and I move up pretty fast. I went from sales rep to the number three in the company with no experience. I guess I was very gutsy <laughs> wherever you put me. Um, and I tend to get hired every single interview. So I don't know what it is. So one day I asked my boss, hey, can, can you give me a raise? And he said, no. So I know I have to figure some, some ways, right? So it was, a, it was a boring Tuesday afternoon. I was in Austin, Texas. I was at Costco Roadshow. I was running the whole roadshow across the U.S. And I started scanning stuff online. And so I, I think I sold three items. It's through Amazon. So I bought a box of the tape. Uh, it is at Staple. And after a year, I, I made it to a million. And after four years, it was like $15 million business. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so that was my very taste of entrepreneurship. Well, what happened too, uh, there was such a huge learning for me. I, I scaled too fast too soon and I didn't have the right team in place. And that's so dangerous when you scale too fast with, with all the mindset of your team, they're not ready for an eight figure business. So it, it, I know it's not gonna last. Eventually Amazon shut down my account. This is a day before my wedding on my way to the Philippines. Oh. So they shut down my account and hold half a million dollar worth of product because I, I literally ship it to... FBA fulfillment, and they actually disposed that product. So I was really depressed for 90 days after that. Like, how can you, like everything was just shut down like overnight. I have no way out. So I'm thankful for my husband. He was there. Like, I remember I would hide in the, in, in the bed sheets. Like, I don't want to get up. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. It, sometimes it's hard when you think that's the only way that's your brand, that's your identity. But looking back, it's like, man, that was just, that was like a COVID experience for me. So that's when COVID happened, I, it doesn't face me anymore because I've been through it. Like at least COVID, I have a little bit of data and it prepares me to like tackle everything. That time, that was a day before my wedding. I was like, oh my God. So I literally have put this face of like pretend nothing happened, just enjoy the whole event of what, seven days in the Philippines. We had a great time anyway. I enjoyed my wedding, even though deep inside me, it was so hard to not, to get carried away with the emotions. So I, I really have, you know, I, I said, I just need to get through this moment. But I, I was seeing red flags here and there before that. So I was able to invest and open a brick and mortar store, which is a facial center in California while I was doing the Amazon. So I have a brick and mortar store, but still the very first baby, your very first company, it hurts. It mm. took me a while to recover it. It really does. It hurts so much. Sometimes I would still have a little bit of that sour graving every time you would hear news about things, but hey, I need to let it go. And a huge learning experience for me is I can't really open a business without owning the real estate. That's why I'm very careful in my next move. 
Mm. So, yeah, so that yeah, that would be quite distressing, like a day before supposedly your most happiest day in the world, and you said it took you 90 days of, you know, you know, real challenging mentally for you. Um, is there anything that was a turning point there? Was it just, you know, self-talk, I've got to get over this? Was there, you know, you went and learnt meditation? Is there some sort of strategy that sort of helped you sort of get through that period? Yeah, um, I... I really got a lot of support from my tribe. I'm part of this organization called EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, where you can really share everything from anything you wanted to talk. So that really helps me. So I have girlfriends that I can share and we're all crying and, you know, uh, it was very tough, but you really need to have support when you deal things like this it's tragic it's like death mm. and uh i think the most painful it's not about the brand identity for me i think the most painful is when i have to tell my employee that we have to shut down operations mm. i think that's the most painful thing especially when i have employees that works in the philippines and they're relying on this job and i was more concerned about their well-being and their family more than myself i mean i can always find things uh, figure out myself right but that's their only job mm. yeah there's a sense sense of responsibility i totally resonate with that as well and just um to touch on moving from the philippines to america um was that something that you always dreamed of is it something that um you know how old were you at the time did you have support initially in america like it's a big move so i'd love to hear about that yeah, I have family out here. I think, um, you know, I was, I grew up in this tiny island with, in the 1980s, there was no light, Craig. Like, I didn't have a lot of things. I mean, we were very poor, but, you know, I have my mom's brother. He has this big magazine of architectural digest that I would like flip on it every single like after a break at school and I was so inspired with design and things. I would read books about Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. That was me growing up, even though, um, you know, we're not having much. I, I, no, I didn't think of dreaming of coming here, but I think that moment of me, I move out after college. I actually did work in Cebu and I traveled to Hong Kong when I saw how that skyscraper I was like oh my god there's a world out there I don't belong to that island I have no future in there so I have to figure it out so um, I guess I'm always been a, a dreamer of big things I think I was meant I know inside of me that there's something is meant for me bigger than working for someone else I knew but I don't know what it is mm. yeah no I mean I I grew up in a small town in Tasmania which is an island off Australia and um, collectively on the island about half a million people and in my small community there's like a couple of thousand people so I left home at year 10 to go to the main city to further my education so I sort of left home to spread my wings you know at around 15 16 years of age 
stage. So I've become very resourceful and, um, yeah, very similar. Like I was inspired when I first started in personal training. I, I started training quite successful and wealthy people and uh, – I went into one of their houses one day and I was just like blown away by, you know, I'd never seen a house like that before. And that, that has inspired me like those books to, you know, help you dream and think bigger. And, um, you know, my, I guess my awareness around what was possible changed quite dramatically. So I can totally relate to that. And uh, you are a proud mother of two. What's running a business and being a mother like? You have to pick one way or the other. I mean, especially in a startup stage, I miss a lot of my kids' school activities. I have the grandmother watching when they were younger. And I, I didn't, I, you know, there's no such thing as balance for me when you are running a startup and in the stage of first and third year. So I wasn't more, I wasn't a mother at that time. I was hustling. I was packing and shipping and, and keeping up with orders. I mean, I remember I w- my neighbors would complain to me that the cracking of the tape disturbed them at night. So they had to kick me out doing and fulfilling orders in the garage. So <laughs> I was hustling. So I, I wish, I mean, you know, I, I could say that I was a good mother and be there for my kids and run a business at the same time. I was in presence. Mm. So I tried to make it up now. I, I literally have to apologize to my kids. Like, I'm so sorry I wasn't there with you guys, but like, just forgive me. I, I want to make it up. And I think that moment when my 10 year old, I asked him like, Luke, how would you describe your mom? And he said, my mother is always busy. That breaks my heart. Mm, Yeah, totally understand what you're saying there. And, you know, some people say to me, like, I always have that question asked. I have traveled a lot and I've been lucky to take my family with me on a lot of travel too so my son before the age of 18 months had been to three overseas trips six or seven different countries and uh, we've spent like eight weeks on the road in Europe uh, as a family and I always had uh, said to people when uh, when when I get asked about that question, I say, look, you know, I do what I do. I'm doing it for my family. I want to give them opportunity. I want to give them the ability to think outside the box. I want to give them the options to go to good schools or, you know, whether I send them to good schools or not, I want to be able to buy a holiday house to have, you know, magical moments. So, you know, everything I do is for my family. Um, but, you, you know, you do spend a bit of time away when you're on the road and, you hustling and grinding so yeah I can totally understand what you're talking about there gonna move on I actually do want to ask a question $20 to 15 million so was that the story you're talking about uh your original Costco you purchased something sold on Amazon that was $20 yes yeah that was the uh that was the e-commerce yes and uh I was able to pivot while running the spa business I actually started an Airbnb just one room with a pool and I am booked six months in advance so I create another room underneath it and then I'm booked for six months in advance it become like a boutique hotel and then I run out of space so I have to build a second location in the mountain and um, 
you know, we, we were doing so well before COVID. I utilized a lot of um, influencer marketing. I, I have at one point with no ad spend, I had like 9 million views of Facebook videos of literally no spending. So we were at an average 90% occupancy rate and the average is like what, 60? So we were doing really well. Just like, it's so, it hurts when COVID hits, like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to refund everyone's observation. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that did hit a lot of businesses and I'm highly grateful. Like through the global financial crisis, I had five fitness clubs, you know, physical businesses and that was a really challenging time and I knew that I wanted to sort of get out of being trapped into straight bricks and mortar so I started selling products online there. But, um, you know, I, I always reflect back when COVID hit, if I still had five, if I didn't think outside the box, if I didn't, you know, in quote unquote pivot, um, I could have been caught pretty, yeah, because gyms in Australia, they were literally doors locked for 10 months. You know, if that happens, it's pretty challenging to run a business. So I want to move on to where we met, a place called Clubhouse. Uh, you are the record holder, you and your husband, Daniel, of running the longest consistent uh clubhouse room for 20 days straight now i think i joined maybe on the 4th of january or something so it's probably about eight ten days in let's say um when i joined the tribe of moderators on your team and i remember uh, it was such a surreal feeling i heard about clubhouse uh, you know like the first two days of January then I got invited and then you know I'm moderating a day later and then I'm like literally going for 18 hours a day where I'm up at six in the morning I was because uh, because I was like one of the only Australians on Clubhouse at the time I could find myself Michael Lane and barely didn't hear an Australian accent for three days but your moderators because my time zone was so different to everyone else in the evenings for me I would be having dinner and then six hours straight I'd be you know there'd be four or five moderators left so tell us about how that come about what you were trying to achieve I've heard the story but I'd like um I'd like you to share with the audience yeah so um we didn't it wasn't really planned it it just happened right in the beginning I would just start that same room title what it takes to run a million dollar business and there's only me and Dan and four people. And I would, I would just testing things in the beginning. It was full of rappers rooms. So like, I I can't deal with hip hop. I feel like I don't really have a room where I can have a good conversation what I wanted to talk. I want to talk about business. So um, I started slowly and I was at the right time, the right place. It was Christmas. And I told Dan, my husband, I said, like, what are we going to do for Christmas? Everything shut down in California. I said, I should open a clubhouse room for like an hour. And then an hour turned into 13 hours. And (laughs) it turned into 20 days. So it wasn't planned. And someone told me that 12 is the longest room I don't ever. I don't think it ever exists, but somehow we're shooting for 13 days and made it to 20 days. So (laughs) it was such a humbled experience. I would not be able to meet you. 
we would not have a structured business category room, same as my experiences before. It wasn't fun. So now I think your people have better experience for Clubhouse. I think it's cool being the first. Yeah. And just to explain, like um, I have had a few Clubhouse guests. I always ask this question. Just explain in your uh, words what Clubhouse is and how it works. All right, so Clubhouse is a new social app through voice. So you can have a real conversation. It's like a podcast plus radio, right? Slash live mastermind. And, you know, I think what's great about Clubhouse is if you have great to share, you're smart, you will shine. And no one cares about how you look, you know, how old you are. It's it's, it's open, right? And um, I, I think that's what I love about it. I mean, you can't really fake things. Um, you can spot people right away if they're telling the truth or making things up. So um, I, I really love it. And you create a strong bond, but that varies room to room, right? Rooms are not created equal. Yeah, no, look, and, and you can have rooms on literally any topic whatsoever. I've found myself over the last, and, and just a tip for anyone on here, you know, I'm spending time on Clubhouse to network and build relationships, but one thing I've been really conscious of is if something happens randomly, like what happened to Periscope or, you know, Facebook, just give a, a, an offering that's too good to be true to the owners and or bring out Facebook Clubhouse or something like that and, you know, it all stopped tomorrow. I've really focused on taking relationships into a more authentic conversation and because of it I've, you know, I've, I've lined up like 40 podcast guests in, in February just off Clubhouse, the people that I've met, network with, aligned with. Um, so I, it's a, a, just a tip for anyone that is on there because a lot of people go it's all about the numbers the vanity metrics, you know, I've got, um, you know, maybe 3,000 followers at the moment, but I feel like I've got the best currency I've ever had on a social media platform because of that. So just a little tip for um, anyone that's considering to use this in business. Have you got any good tips that you would say? Yeah, I think you're very smart for doing that, which, by the way, I have to start, you know, taking it off Clubhouse, but... um. Uh, yeah, you, you really, I think my goal is to really build a community and I'm, I'm, I'm clear with my why and the reason why we sustained that 20 days is because we really wanted to inspire 100 million entrepreneurs in the world. And when you have a purpose like that, Craig, are you still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Oh, I don't know, something flipped in my, my thing. I can't find you. Oh, but right. when... So when you have a purpose like that, I mean, it, it's super clear. So um, I know, you know, we're doing great things and building a community is the key for mm. sure. It's not about the numbers to yeah. me. I don't yeah. really care about followers. And I, I would just, I'm going to ask you about, because you have a club, you, you run multiple rooms every day, different topics. Just share some insights of, how to run a good room and how to build a community. Um, so, yeah, for anyone that's listening that wants to do something and wants to learn about that, that would be good. Yeah, of course. So how to build a community, you make sure you're really clear with your purpose. You, you need to creating a 
a tribe, people has to embrace that purpose. I think that's very important. And, and when you build a community, you need to have a good leader and you, you have to make sure you're inclusive. We're seeing it right now. Some of the rooms are very clicky and that's not long-term game, right? Like mm-hmm. that's being shallow. So I, I think of super long-term, I wanted to really build a strong, real relationship. And it's not about the numbers. So that is our goal of that club, what it takes to run a million dollar business. And when you run a room, you have to make sure you build a culture. Think about running a room or a club, like you're launching a new brand. You need to have a team behind it. You you need to have a purpose and you need to have the management to really run it. And you make sure your room is not boring. You make sure you have a great MC. It's well run. There's a culture. No one's like talking on top of each other. No one's disagreeing. You know, if, if you know, you don't agree with someone else, you can say it kindly, be civil about it. So you have to make sure you have those rules in place and remind everyone because sometimes it gets out of control, especially when you have a thousand people in there. But I think we, we were very clear with our culture and uh, you, you need to be, you know, you need to say it all the time. Mm. I think uh, too, like one of the the most success I've seen, I've sort of been a bit of a freelancer and just observe and jump into and out of different rooms. I don't have all day every day to be on it these days because I am like I did like uh, 12 podcast interviews last week off Clubhouse. That's, you know, you can't be on Clubhouse and doing a podcast. But I think uh, one really important thing to note for people is collaboration is key in Clubhouse. Like I interviewed, um, say, so some of the bigger rooms like Rob Moore, um, Daniel Priestley, um, Michael Lane, you know, like they're big, big, big influencers, but they all seem to work together and create a room together. They don't look at each other as competing entrepreneurs and, you know, your room's got lots of great entrepreneurs like that and, you know, there are a lot of rooms that, you know, I guess more more people helping each other is is probably better. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. That's how we made that 20 days. We we have the blueprint. I created SOP behind the scene. We were chatting while running the whole room. Uh, now everyone's doing the same thing. They call the mud squad. So that really started in, in, in our room. So yeah. it's so cool that uh, people are using the same exact methodology that you did. So it, it's, it is great. So yeah, definitely collaboration. You can't, you can't do it alone. You have to collaborate with people. Mm. And what was the biggest numbers you had in your room? So at any one time? I think we have it at least close to 4,000. I'm not sure if you were there, but that was a time when Grand Cardone was doing a live deal of a movie role. Mm. I'm not sure if you were there. I wasn't there for that. But I've been moderated with him a number of times so uh, in your room. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think that was, um, that was the biggest number. I think we were up to 4,000. But if you think about it, we were running it 24 hours a day. You can have a whole, whole not, you know, the biggest number all the time. It's all about consistency, right? But, yeah, I think 4,000 were were our biggest but and then you have to realize there are only 650,000 users at that time mm. it's not like right now we're what we have like 7 million it's a mm. different game a different time 
Yeah, I think uh, when I joined, the numbers were thrown around just shy of a million, so like nine about nine hundred thousand. So I was very much early adopter, and it, it it is an exciting platform moving forward. And I hope that uh, you know your Facebooks or someone don't uh, you know add Clubhouse to their suite with Instagram and WhatsApp and Co, and they can go on and create a, a legacy brand. Yeah, I know. I hope so too. I'd be very nervous about it. <laughs> All right. And just um, one thing I picked up in your bio, in the top 100 most influential Filipinos. Do you want to just explain uh, that and where was that um, accolade made? Yeah, that was from a group of Filipinas Women's Network. And they actually have this long series of interview and the question and answer, like you you have to submit like three pages of stuff and they check what you've been doing. And and yeah, so I'm honored to be part of it. So um, yeah, so it was from a nonprofit organization. So wow, amazing! One of the most famous Filipinos is Manny Pacquiao, and uh, <laughs> well, I um, I landed in Manila uh, on one day where he was uh, having a fight, and um, every time I jumped off a plane in Manila, it would take me, you know, an hour or two to get to Makati. Um, and this day I was literally jumping the car and there was no traffic on the road and I said, what's going on? And somebody said, when Manny Pacquiao fights, it's uh, everyone, even even the even the robbers don't come out on those days. <laughs> uh, yes, quite... yes, the whole country shut down. So funny story, like every time he would fight in Vegas, we, Dan and I were able to hang out with him. He does like a prayer meeting before a fight. So we were there. So it's very cool experience. Wow. Amazing. At the end of every episode, I always have a rapid fire question section. They don't have to have rapid fire answers, but it's just the same questions that are asked to every single person that jumps on the show. So do you have a book that people should read if they want to get ahead in life? Absolutely. My favorite one is um, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. That's my favorite. Right. I haven't actually read that. So um... it's life changing, Craig. You have to, especially in this crisis, you're dealing with landlords. Really helpful. Never Split the Difference. Is that what it's called? Yes. Great. What's the best bit of advice you've ever received? Hmm leverage other people's network Mm, very good advice that's uh, one of my favorite things that i always say to people if you can learn how to leverage time money and relationships you can become unstoppable very good on the flip side what's the worst bit of advice or just an idea you just totally disagree with Worst advice is you have to hire your own family members. That's the worst advice. I <laughs> I would never do that. That's why none of my family is ever involved in any of my businesses. Right. Very. If you want to keep a relationship, let's not do business together. Hmm. Very good. 
I always um, have an interesting question to ask people, um, and you've sort of already done it. You've made something out of noth- nothing. Um, I talk about business alchemy, creating a business out of nothing. If you lost everything, you had no network, no social media presence, and you started all over again, no profile, what would you do? I would sell. I would resell something do product arbitrage with no capital. I know I, I can I, I can always find ways. Yeah. And what about if you're inspiring people, this podcast is the One Shot Movement podcast to help inspire and educate people to make the most of their one shot at life. You've certainly been someone from someone that dreamed big and, and taken a, a challenge and a task and reinvented yourself, repivoted. Um, what would you say to inspire someone to make the most of their one shot at life? I think be kind to people. I think that will really repay you in the long run. Mm, very good. And where do people find you? Is it uh, website, social media, clubhouse, all of the above? Um, yes. Yeah. You can go to katehancock.com. Um, I do host a podcast as well titled Inspired by Her. And you can always find me at clubhouse at Kate Hancock. Very good. And from me, I want to um, thank you for jumping on the podcast. We've built a friendship. Basically, this is five weeks since we met on Clubhouse. And uh, I really appreciate being always invited to uh, contribute to your rooms. And um, yeah, I'll always be a supporter and jumping in. And um, yeah, if I kickstart a room one day, I'd love to have yourself and Daniel involved. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Craig, and I'll see you at Clubhouse very soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Kate. Well, I hope you got a lot of value out of the episode with Kate. What an amazing and inspiring story she shared with us. If you haven't got a copy of my book, you've got one shot. Make sure you head over to my website at www.craigschultz.com. While you're there, check out about doing a discovery session with me about how I can help you reach your passion and purpose and your dreams and help guide you and amplify all areas of your life. If you like this week's episode, make sure that you share it on all the usual socials. Give us feedback. It's really important to be able to get high quality guests. At the end of every episode, I always say you've got one shot at life. Go out there and give it your best shot, whatever it is for you. My name's Craig Schultz. I'm the host of the One Shot Movement podcast.